Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. Now this is episode 37 and I am interviewing two very, very keen and also incredible anglers, the Skiers Boys. Now if you know who the Skiers Boys are, Nathan and Mitch, you know what you are in for in this episode. This is the episode I've been talking about for the past few weeks that I said is going to be one of the best yet. And if you know these guys, you know what kind of episode this is going to be and you know what you are in for. And if you don't know who they are, I'm going to give you a little bit of an intro now, but trust me, you want to continue listening to this episode. Whether you have a boat, whether you fish off the bank, whether you're land-based, whatever you do, even if you don't aren't even thinking about getting live scope technology you have to listen to this because some of the stuff they explain about fish behavior and what they have witnessed out on the water is absolutely incredible i remember recording sitting down and recording this episode and after i finished the end button hung up from talking to the boys i was like wow that was next level some of the stuff they said got me that excited to go and fish so this is going to be an exciting episode and i can't wait to get into it with you but first of all what i'm going to do is just run through what we touch on in this episode so first of all i talk to the boys about how fishing started for them and then we move on to a little bit about their competition fishing how they did that how they got into that and then their first introduction to using this live sonar technology then we move on to talking about the brands and the models of this technology technology that they use, including the setup and how they have it all configured. Uh, and then the boys use the live scope technology and we go right in depth on that. So the brands, the models and all the extra things they do to set up. Then Nathan and Mitch, uh, we t- I talked to them about how they used to fish before this technology And then after that, we get into how they fish now. And I tell you what, they are two massively different styles of fishing. We talk about the sound of technology and how they use it now and how they go out and approach a session and fish. Then I ask them what the best banks are and the structure to fish that they seem to find lots of fish on and also what are the best types of banks and structure to fish with this technology, the best lures for spotting and casting to fish, summer versus winter and also day versus night. Uh, We talk about... Uh, a little bit about chasing cod in Burundong, then also a little segment on using live scope for yellows, golden perch, also the cost of a setup like this, and then we got on at the very end, we talk a little bit about a story um, from Blaring Dam, and the boys used it at Blaring Dam, and then also one of their most memorable trips um, and sessions on the water. Now, the, the most interesting part of this, which is what you really want to get out of this episode, is when the boys talk about how the fish behave based on Um, the lures, but also the retrieval patterns and and what they have noticed based on different things they've done and seeing how the fish react. It's basically like having a camera on the water, watching a fish follow your lure and seeing how they react. Obviously, it's not as detailed as having a a proper camera down there, but it's as good as you get and you will know and and the the guys, what I'm trying to say, have learned what the fish do based on if a fast retriever, slow retriever, pause, where the lure comes to the fish or approaches them from And that is why this is such a good episode. It'll help you understand and give you a better understanding of the fish's behavior. So guys, strap yourself in. It is going to be a cracker of an episode. 
Now, before we jump in, I just want to say we did record this during COVID and I talked to the guys over Skype and we did have a bit of a technological issue, a few breakups in the conversation. So we had a technology issue with the technology. It still is a good episode. You can still hear everything they say, but there is a little bit of interference here and there and I just want to apologize now for this issue. I always try my best to put together the highest quality audio and the best content possible for you guys to enjoy. But just before we get into this episode, I hope you all understand uh, that things go wrong sometimes. So I just want to let you know that before the episode begins. And one last thing, guys, before we jump into this episode, I want to talk to you about the new project that we have recently launched. You may have heard about it already, and it is called the Social Fishing Membership. Now, in this membership, we are bringing to you content that we have never created before, including the SF Maps. Now, over the long weekend, we had our members go out using the SF Maps in different waterways, especially Lake Eildon, and we had some great messages come through of people getting some great cod not being overwhelmed by the waterway because they had these maps and an understanding of where they needed to go to catch fish. Also, the techniques and different things that are also inside that membership that have helped these people get out there and catch fish. So, it gives them guidance on where to put in their boats, where to go fish and what lures and techniques to use. And we had a great comments and photos come through from members that are already inside the Social Fishing membership. We also have the Social Fishing magazine, which is loaded full of articles and video content and new content goes up every single week on video tips, action stuff and also articles and we also have the reports. So, I want to let you all know that we have just launched an extra report which is the Burrenjuk Dam report. So, we had four previously, Burrenjuk is now out and we have more coming soon. We're going to build it up to have plenty of reports that cover a very large area throughout New South Wales and Victoria. So, there's more reports coming. They are up now. If you are a member, jump in, check out the site. There's a whole heap of new content and if you're not already a member, jump on socialfishing.com.au and just check out the page and see if, have a look at all the stuff that is included in the membership. It's a great resource and we have had so much positive feedback so far and if you are a member, I want to say thank you very much for supporting what we do. All right, guys, without further ado, that is enough from me. Let's jump in and have a chat with Nathan and Mitch, the Skiers Brothers, all about fishing with live sonar technology. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, guys. I'm super excited for this one because we are going to learn a lot from these two legends I have. This is our first double interview that we're doing and obviously with the virus going on, we're in lockdown, so this is over Skype, so we'll do our best, but I have the skiers, boys, uh, Mitch and Nath. Mate, guys, guys, thanks for joining me. Hey, y'all, man. Yeah, we're going really well. It's um, it's new having, having two on, but I think this will be really good because... You guys fish a lot together um, and you do some really cool stuff and I've actually had a lot of requests from people to have a chat with you guys. Now, before we jump in, um, can you guys tell me, you're both brothers, aren't you? Yeah, we are, mate, yeah. And you grew up fishing together? Yeah, our man sort of just took us fishing whenever he had a chance when he was, yeah, when we were young, so yeah, we just grew up fishing together and yeah, we still do to this day, so. So what's your earliest? So so you you started real young, like you can remember fishing your whole life. Yeah, since, ever since I yeah could be on the walk, the old man used to take us fishing at Wyangla, and yeah, we fished oh, every weekend nearly since. So we used to go week trips to Wyangla with mum and dad and family friends, and yeah, we pretty much lived fishing 
whole yeah. life. So. Yeah. And then when you when you finish, say say you finished fishing as a kid and you grew up a bit, did you boys, have you guys always fished together? Is that just how it's worked? And obviously it'd be easy because you'd know each other's style and that. Yeah, well, I sort, of, I sort of got out of it for a year or two and went more hunting and Mitch stayed into the fishing and it was sort of him starting to fish comps and made me a bit jealous, so I sort of got <laughs> back into it again and just wanted to, yeah, a bit of competition. So we'll, we weren't fishing together for – oh, we were fishing together socially for all the time, but, yeah, in comps we were against each other for two years or something, which was good fun yeah right so you were against each other is that what you just said yeah yeah, yeah a bit of rivalry yeah a bit of rivalry, bit of rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> nice that would have been good what do you prefer do you prefer it now as a team or did you did you enjoy the rivalry days no definitely now as a team it's, yeah we all, we always knew that we would fish good together well, we've been doing it our whole life so that sort of yeah we did well last year in the AOC comps fishing together I don't think we'd come out of the top five in any event so yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice. Sort of, we sort of want, work off each other. Yeah, that's the go. I want to. Um, I do want to get onto a little bit about the comps and how you guys fish them. I got. I got so many questions. So, but a bit of bit of your background again. Did you guys start with bait fishing? How did it all happen as a kid? Did you guys? How did you get hooked on the lure fishing part? When did it happen? And how did that all unfold? We definitely did a lot of bait fishing as well, but it was mainly just dragging lures up at Wangla Dam, I suppose. Um, just trolling. Yeah, just trolling with the old man, his old hornet, and yeah, yeah, we'd stay days on end until we got sick of it because he wouldn't. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny that way. Eh? Do you do you reckon? I, I reckon people who grew up trolling and are in you know sort of over their forties or fifties into their sixties or even older now, they kind of just stick to it, eh, forever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's still definitely an effective method. Mm. If you, yeah, if you got to nut it out, I know a couple of people around home that. Been doing real well with it lately, with catching some real big cod. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so, bit of the the AYC stuff. So, when did you guys start doing that, and how come you got into the tournament stuff? What was it about it that drew you to it? Um, I probably got into it about oh, seven or eight years ago, I suppose. Um, I seen it on just on social media, and then yeah, went out and gave it a crack. We sort of. Didn't know much. We didn't do very good either, and then just sort of wanted to do better and wanted to figure out what everyone else was doing. There's a lot of people up there, big boats, doing real well, catching a ton of fish. So yeah, we sort of went out there and gave it a crack and hung around the scene a bit and learned it, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, it's good fun. It's good it's fun. Really fun. Is it the competitive part of it? Yeah, it's yeah. I, I like the competitive part. I hate losing. <laughs> and uh, I think Mitch is the same, so that's why we get along so well, good when we're fishing. But um, it's just like they're just a great bunch of blokes up there fishing all the comps. And oh, the first comp that I fished, I was just hooked straight away. I was lucky enough to win that comp, but um, it wasn't the win that made me keep coming back. It was just learning so much off everyone else that was there and everyone talks. And it's just, yeah, it's just a big learning curve just going to the comps and talking to people is great. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you because I know I know a lot of people like it for the social aspect as well as the competitive aspect. But like I talked to Jacko on a podcast and he said the AYC comps are really good because they're not that super super serious when no one shares a single thing. Yeah. Is that what it's like? So people yeah, are happy that, to help. That's exactly right. Well, that's how me and Mitch both learned really how to yellow belly fish like um, 
golfing trees and that. We, we never did that growing up. So when we come on that scene, Mitch was the first one to like, they got told about it and then when he told me about it and then we got into it and, yeah, we just sort of kept trying things and things started to work for us and, yeah, it's just great. Just people just letting us know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. So, so you'd say you'd never be where you are today without help from others. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Definitely not from like the, everyone in the AYC has helped us so much. So it's been great. Yeah, no, that's the way, and that's what fishing's all about. I reckon, like, there's no point holding it all close to your chest because, you know, one even one day when you think about it, like way down the track, we won't even be here. And you know, if other people or a young kid can get hooked on fishing because of something you shared, and even if you shared it with him or it got passed down, and then he's got this lifetime passion of fishing rather than doing something else, you know, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. What I want to mention, uh, or what I want to talk about with you guys is I want to revolve a lot of this talk around, obviously, how you guys fish and your fishing style with sounder technology. Um, the, this, the live scope stuff is incredible to see, and I've been told that you are the guy, you guys know how to use it, and you're one of the best out there when it comes to natives. I'm sure there's other blokes out there, but you have been regarded as that when it comes to using this technology. When did you guys first come across it? So tell me when you first heard of it, um, where you first saw it, and then what what made you guys go and get it and actually start using it? Yeah, it was. I think it was about twelve months ago. We done a comp at uh, Windermere, and one of our mates, Aaron Graham, had it on his um on his boss's boat actually. And um, yeah, me and Nate jumped in the boat with him. Ten minutes went, had a look at a tree, see what swimming around, and. Yeah, I was in the process of updating the sounder at the front of my boat anyway. So, yeah, the next week I was straight down and bought one. It was just, yeah. That first comp, that was pretty unreal, yeah. We, I was like coped and, and it was a real tough bite. And I, I, we were only the one, we were the only team to get our bag that weekend. And I think we ended up with 20 odd fish for the weekend. And every one of them was because of live scope. Just yeah, right. it, it was only the second time we've ever used it. Well, that's how easy it is to fish with it. It's just you can see everything. It's it's great. That's what I was going to say. So it's not it's not hard to use. No, no. We we took it out for one test run of Barrenjuk before uh Barrendong, sorry, before we went to Copeton, and oh, I think we got a, a dozen yellow belly on it. And, Two over sixty. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just sitting at the front, just trying to tweak the settings and all that, and just yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, compared to, we used to do like a two-day sonar, like vertical fish, vertical fish, our yellow belly and timber and all that sort of thing with two-day sonar at the front of the boat off the front of the, on the electric motor. That's what we used to do, but this thing's just a different aspect. You can, you know which direction the fish are in relation to the boat sort of thing. It's It's like spotlighting underwater. Like if you, if you spotlight, the people, the hunters know and that. It's like wherever you point your spotlight, you're going to see what's in front of you. So that's practically how to explain what the gun wants go. Whatever you point it at, you see. And then if you see a fish in front of you at six metres, say six metres in front of you and four metres down, you you can lob your line out and you can see it go down and come past the fish. And and you see how the fish reacts to your line and you just – just go accordingly to how the fish reacts to it. 
So it's real time. So it's like what's yeah. happening on the screen. It's not a print like all traditional side imaging or sonar has been uh, in the past. No, nah, it's real time. So it's yeah, yeah. You see everything. It's it's awesome. That's crazy. So so you guys saw it on someone else's boat at Windermere, and then you yep. thought, right, I've got to get this. Then you took it out, and it helped you catch fish straight away. And obviously, it has been helping you catch fish ever since. So. Before, I've got so many questions about the how you use it and how you fish, but before we jump into that, what 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 model are you running? Because um, to, And do you, can you tell us about the other ones on the market? Because you've got LiveSight from Lowrance. Um, LiveScope is Garmin. It's the Panoptics. It was out first, yeah, and that's what you guys use? Yeah, so they, they bought out the first model of Panoptics. I'm not exactly sure what oh, what that was called. It was Panoptics. Yeah. It was sort of a... It was it was going in the right direction, but then they bought out the live scope, and then it was yeah, yeah. It, it, it's definitely doing it. You can tell which direction your fish is facing. Yeah, the the yeah. first one was more like a two D, a live image of the two D, and now it's like a live image of the like a structure scan. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Right. So it but, gives you heaps more detail. Yeah. Yeah. Quality. Yeah. And have you used, so that's what you use, have you seen any of the other ones on the market at all or no? Yeah, I have. Uh, mate from Forbes has got it and um, it's definitely a tool to have in the boat, but they're, they're bringing out a new version, I think, toward the Who end is of that, Lowrance? Lowrance's, yeah, life site. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard a bit about it, but it, yeah. Yeah, I don't know when it's coming or... Yeah. So then with your setup, how, how does it work? I know I talked to Jacko a little bit about this. You have to buy a head unit and then you have a transducer for it. And do you guys even have a transducer for your old school side imaging and sonar or you just don't even use it now? Um, so, yeah, we've got a, I've got the 8410 XSV at the front of my boat and um, then obviously got the Wiscope unit hooked up to that on a pole. Just beside yep. the electric motor, so you you obviously you can because uh, we're using uh, I use a XI5 uh, motor guide yep. electric motor, so you can't they're actually built to go on the side of the electric motor. Mm-hmm. But now I've, I've put a um, additional pole beside it so that you can maneuver it yourself without interfering when you're anchoring or whatever to sight your fish. Yeah, it'd almost be pointless, hey, to put it on your lecky because. Yeah, it's just because yeah, in, in the wind, you never get you never get a calm day, or you never catch a fish on a calm day anyway. Um, but yeah, it just just yeah, it, it moving around all the time. You sort of want to point and see what your lure's doing. And so what's the beam the right angle? Because if you're like, because if uh, you're shooting, yeah. So sorry, what's yeah? What's kind of the angle that it catches something at? It is twenty degrees, I think. Uh, so it's quite narrow. Quite, quite narrow. So, yeah, it's shooting point. Like I said, it's a spotlight. Whichever direction you've got your handle facing you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, obviously, if you had it on your electric and your electric needed to do its job and keep you in the spot and you are you were trying to scan a bank on your left but your lecky was pointing right, it's just pointless, eh? So, if someone's going to do it, yeah. you, you'd want to get this set up like you guys have got. How have you got it mounted? Is it a specific pole that you can buy for it or did you guys just build it yourself? Um, we sort of, yeah, because we only had a week out, probably, oh, 10 days out till the comp started, so I just, um, whipped something up at work, but a, a lot of people there is, oh, I think Rob Payne Engineering make a good one, and it just goes on a rim bracket 
that you can screw anywhere on your boat, that's probably a pretty good universal sort of setup. Yeah, Mitch he, made both of ours though. He's a boily, so yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. Like, they're, they're not flash to look at, but they do. They do the job. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's the go. It doesn't matter how it looks, eh? As long as it works. And then what do you do? You're able to bring it back up and obviously sit it flush with the boat. And then for people who've never seen it and trying to understand it, it's a pole that sits straight up and down like the electric motor does when it's deployed. And you what have a handle and you just turn it right and left to whatever direction you want to point it at. Is that how it works? Yeah, that's it, mate. And then um, just once we oh, when we don't want to go to a different spot or whatever, we just pull it up and stow it either up with the um, rods there on the deck of the boat or, yeah, it depends how the yeah. thing's mounted. But on a ram bracket, it can manoeuvre around just to get out of the water and shoot off yeah. the next spot. Yeah, right, okay. And then my next question is when – so. This is just a small thought. If you have it mounted on the front, you got your electric motor, you know, and you wanted to shoot through your electric motor, does that electric get in the way? Do you have to actually move the angle of the boat for it to work properly if you want to shoot it past the electric? Does it pick it up? Yeah, it definitely does. You can see the oh, you have a lot of interference off your electric. We sort of have ours set back. Mine on my boat's a little bit closer, but Nate's boat it's sort of back a little bit, and then we've got two rear mount balls on each side, so. Whatever way the wind's blowing, we just sort of anticipate which way we're coming yeah. in the bank, and then we can just shift it over. Yeah, so we can we can move the my pole to either side of the boat because I've got two rear mounts. Uh, yeah, so, that's yeah, clever. So that, so that so that takes out the um, the electric interference. Right, that's handy. That's a good idea for someone yeah. who's looking at setting it up. And then do you have your cable? Your cable's obviously fairly loose then if you're picking it up and moving it. You've got to have a bit of play in your cable. So it's yeah. just yeah. – but I guess yeah. you just deal with that. Yeah, you just get used to that. So, we, you, yeah, we just put up with that. It's, it's not really that much of a nuisance. So. Nah, not yeah. when you're catching big fish. It's not. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Um, so that's how it works, right? So now run me through, okay, I'm going to ask you the questions of how you fish with it, but run me through, how did you used to fish before you got this? So go back 12 months ago, if you were chasing, let's talk about, we're chasing cod in a dam. Um, you obviously chase big cod. How did you go about targeting your big cod? Did you pick specific banks? Did you work the banks for a certain period of time? Like a lot of us do now and then move around. How did you fish back in the day? Uh, it's, it's 100% changed the way we fish, I, I reckon, and um, we sort of never used to get into cod. We, we sort of used to hang on a yellow belly most of the summer, like yeah. the warmer months, but right. just just chasing yellow sort of thing and until the big cod come on the flats in the winter time sort of thing and then we could swim bait and all like that. We never sort of really yeah. targeted them. Or spinner baits, really trying spinner baits, trying spinner baits at the bank and just fishing blind. Like just We knew fish were in the area now. We just kept fishing banks that we've caught fish on, but yeah, we, we didn't really, um, I don't know, do like the swim bait stuff that we really do now. So we just, yeah, spinner baits and just fishing rock banks and steep banks and just stuff like that. Yeah. And how many fish would you catch for a season back in the day, Big Cod? How many fish over a metre would you have landed for a season? I think yeah, the year before six, we got six metres or something between them. Without yeah. without yeah. And now, what what's the last twelve months been like? Uh, last last season was we got fourteen, and this season's got fourteen. 14 yeah. So it's a massive difference. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah, it would be. It would be. So, do you ever, do you ever not fish with it? That's my next question. Now that you use it, and your whole style and tactic has changed, which I'm going to ask you about, and we're going to get onto talking how you actually fish with it. But do you now ever fish without it, or are you always constantly your technique is using pan optics? Um, the live scope? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we try not to, eh? Yeah. <laughs> We, we do as much as we can to try and get the live scope in a boat yeah. that we're fishing in or, yeah. Yeah, we've yeah. got a little tinny and we sort of will move the live scope out of one of our boats and put in a little tinny to go fish at other dams that won't put <laughs> out a big boat there. So that's how much we, we rate it, yeah. I just want to take a quick break from this episode to talk to you about the Complete Guide Lure Fishing series. Now, if you're new to social fishing, if you've just found these podcasts and you haven't seen the content that we have created, we put together an in-depth tutorial series and it's taken us the past four years to compile all of this content. Now, the Complete Guide is here to help you catch fish from start to finish. If you want to learn how to lure fish for a range of different freshwater fish, this is what you want. Now, we receive a lot of messages from, from anglers out there asking what type of rods do we want, what gear do we want, what techniques, how do I cast a bank, how do I do this, how do I do that? It is all in the Complete Guide series. I've then not had one person watch the series and come back and say it wasn't for them and it didn't teach them something. If you're new to lure fishing or if you want to learn more and better your lure fishing, this is something you want to check out. They're in-depth series and they run through everything from gear to lures to casting techniques to trolling techniques and, and then also plenty of bonus content at the end. There's heaps of information on them including video trailers on our website and we have a range of different species that we target. Now, there's eight series all together and for example, I'll run through a couple of them now. The most popular is Murray Cod and Golden Perch in Rivers. It's a, it's a very popular style of fishing and this is the biggest series we have available. There's also Murray Cod in Dams, Golden Perch in Dams, Trout in Rivers and Streams, Trout in Lakes and Dams, Trout on Fly, and also Murray Cod on surface, plus a few more. And they go right in depth on all components to do with that style of fishing. Like I said, you can check out more on the Social Fishing website, which is socialfishing.com.au. And if you're new to fishing, I highly recommend you check it out. Now, the reason we created it is because when I was younger, I was growing up, I didn't know or didn't have this information. I had to learn from others. And I thought it'd be so much easier if it was all in one place. It's like going with a fishing guide, but having it there for you all the time and a lot more detail than going out just for one day with a guide. It teaches you everything you need to know. So if you're keen and if you're new to lure fishing, go check that out. That's the complete guide lure fishing series and it's available on our website. Now, let's get back to the episode with Nathan and Mitch. So run us through the technique then because back in the day, you just work a bank, you cast, you would have just fished until you found a fish and then keep moving and whatever. Now, how does it work? How how do you how do you guys fish? What kind of banks do you look for specific structure types to then fish? And then when you fish it, how do you fish it? Because I imagine it's totally different now. Is it just casting two fish? Do you barely cast now? Yeah, so our cast rate would have... Half evening. Oh, we, we, we're sort of just cruising around. Um, the start of the season, sort of January, we at Wyangla, it, it was a lot of fish was 
up the well, one of the river arms are hanging around a um, rock walls. So yep. we sort of we had a we had three banks there that we we gave a cane and all over the um, Christmas break, and it just kept producing big fish. So it, it was just it, as long as you're along that bank somewhere, it didn't have to be right on the rocks or anything that they're in that area. So you just yeah, cruise really. along and a big big tide is obviously sticks out pretty well on a sounder. So and we can see it 25 metres away. So you just cruise up, get ready, and chucking that him and wander past. So that's what we'll you do. Still, you say that again. Yeah, we're still blind fishing like those banks there in in summertime because in um yeah in January because we knew like there was fish along that area but we like we were still picking up like eighty models seventies and eighties like just blind casting yeah but there was there's a lot of carp and like mid sized fish where you can't actually tell if it's a carp or a cod unless it's their big cod like when they're nineties and and meters that's when you can actually tell that they're a proper cod and um so we're still blind casting to them and we were still picking up 80s and 90s doing 80s and 70s doing that sorry but yeah it's just when you see a big one on the live scope that's where it's next level where you can actually pick it out and go for it right so you you're cruising along so you still do blind cast in some spots like you said and then so what happened you can you both fish and you just have it sitting at the same angle um and then when something comes into the screen say a big fish just popped up in the screen and disappeared what's your game plan as the two of you fishing what happens then yeah so we usually got uh, someone on, on the pole that's always spinning around just having a look so we sort of got our distance our, our forward forward distance at about 25 meters so it's a good cast length sort of thing, and then once a big and it picks it up. At, so if a fish yeah. come up, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, yeah. but at twenty meters, you will see a fish. Oh, twenty five. We can see our our lure at twenty five meters sort of thing. Wow. From from that's crazy. Keep from the surface yeah. to the bottom. So that's crazy. So keep going. Sorry, I just yeah, that's yeah. insane. Yeah, yeah. So we're just sort of shooting along. We we probably move pretty quick. Just we sh- quick. shoot shooting along the bank until you until you find them big fish and then we're obviously both still looking at the screen and then it's first in best dress between the brothers to try to get a little past the fish. We've learned a lot now though, like we, when we first figured out how to do all this, we, we sort of rushed everything and it was sort of, oh, there's a big one there and we just froze straight to it. But now we, we see a fish and we're both calm and we make sure we position the boat right. So like whatever the way the wind's coming, whatever way the fish is swimming, we sort of try and position it so we cast past the fish, let the lure sink and then bring it straight past the fish. So we manoeuvre the boat around a lot now and, and that's increased our um, success rate a lot, I reckon, just being calm yeah. and, and just, yeah, not rushing it. Yeah, right. So so you cruise along and a fish pops up in the screen and it can disappear pretty quick if the fish is moving, right? The, yeah. Most of the ones that you catch, are they moving and on the hunt or are they sitting still and they don't move? And then you just yeah. run it past them. Well, it's 50-50, really. Like, this summer, when the dam levels were dropping, the fish sort of moved to structure. So they were holding on, like, standing timber and stuff like that. But when the dams were sort of rising a bit, they were moving around a bit more. So we were actually just picking them up anywhere. It's just, like, even in the middle of the dam, we were finding cod. Just, they'll just still be at that one level of, like, one depth of water. Right. So we just you know, we just fished it how we saw it sort of thing. So on the moving ones, we positioned the bark to fish at it, and then even the ones we saw on the trees, we would be 
just like say, hey, well, the wind's coming this way, let's go downwind of it so the boat doesn't move as much. We'll get a couple of good casts at it and we've worked like that. Yeah, right. So, so you have to sort of kind of follow it a bit and then try and get your lure in front of it based on how quick it's swimming? Yeah, yeah. That's the biggest thing is making, yeah, you, you cast have got to be pretty spot on. They've got to come straight past them, especially in dirty water. So dirty water, you don't want to be more than like 30 centimetres away from their base. But we feel sometimes when we're fishing, we'll feel our line go over the cod's back like, and, you, and you'll see the cod take off on the screen. No way. Yeah. Yeah, and you spook them. Yeah, and you spook them, and you, that's, you don't really want to spook them. Like you, you don't get two cracks at a cod. No. They'll sort no. of eat it away. Yeah. So, and then a lot yeah. of the casts, like if you cast and it runs behind them, not many turn around. Like some would, obviously, but most of them has to be a pretty decent yeah. cast for them to hit it. Yeah, you've you got to be sort of on, yeah, on their beat. Yeah, right on the nose. That's where you want to come past. And that's why we just don't catch them generally, eh? Hey? It's because you could be that oh, close and, to fish. And, yeah, and it wouldn't. It astonishes me now, like how like a lot of people that they do catch so many fish, like how many fish would fall onto the boat or or something like that. Like it's just unbelievable. Yeah, the amount of meter fish that will follow. That's you, what I was going to say. What have you learnt about these fish? The, like, the whole like, like yeah. Yeah, oh, just the behaviour patterns, like you can. You can nearly tell what a fish is going to do before you see. You can see you see a big fish. If myself or I see a big fish cruise around and he's that speed or something like that, like he's hunting or something like that. If you can get a lure, you, you're yeah. lucky enough to get a lure in front of him in time. You nearly he, got him. Yeah, you got him. Yeah, he's going to eat. I think so. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So you'd say speed. If the fish is moving, they're more hunting. If they're sitting stationary. Then there's a chance they'll just totally ignore it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But the ones that That's... aren't sitting, they'll, they'll still eat. Oh, we've got some pretty good videos now, um, on our Instagram page of all this stuff on the um, on the live scope and that type. And they're, they're sitting fishes just sitting on trees, and yeah, we've we've got a lot of fish just coming out of the trees and smashing it. But they sort of this. they'll either hit it straight away as soon as they see it at the boat, or they'll follow it and they'll hit it probably about a meter or two meters before you can see your line. That uh, right? Lure, sorry, yeah. So, so they'll hit it. They'll either hit it straight away or they'll yeah. hit it at the boat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you just got That's... to keep winding, and it just yeah, it's, it's nervous. Like you're just so nervous. And a big thing is is because you know if fish is following you, you you're ready to strike, but you strike. Yeah. Too early sometimes, so when yes. you, you actually got to feel the strike and let it hit it before you set the hook sort of thing. Otherwise, yes. Yeah. And we've done that. That's a lot funny, of time. eh? Yeah, I bet yeah. you have because I yeah. experienced that fishing for natives like in a river in clear water. You'll see them eat it and you strike, and you're like, I don't even know why I just struck. He hadn't actually eaten it. Like I didn't feel <laughs> yeah, anything. Yeah. yeah, and this is it, like the whole way back to the boat. So, yeah, and That's... big fish too. Like you've seen. Like, Meters, like meters, meter twenties, and yeah, just it gets your heart racing. That's for sure. So, how many do you see, and then how many of those are you able to catch? Do you only catch like one in twenty? Like as a rough, I know it's a very hard thing to say, yeah. but uh, no, that'd be about right. About one in twenty. And then one in twenty. And then some you just have freak mornings where you bang a couple, but yeah, it's you don't catch as near as many fish as you see, and. I think that's what we do it a lot. Like we fish, we fish banks quick. So 
when we see a fish, we'll we'll give it three or four casts, and if it does need, it's not going to eat, sort of thing. Like that time of day, so we'll, yeah. we'll just say, oh, we'll, we'll just move. We'll we'll find another fish and fish it. So we're always trying to fish active fish. Yeah. So you. So what yep. kind of banks are you picking? Obviously, each lake's different, um, and you obviously find them on a bank, and then they're there. Do you find that most of them are sitting on banks with structure, or are you fishing banks that have bait, like flatter banks? Um, this summer we have been fishing structure, just because I think they go in the in the daytime. Those go back somewhere where they're comfortable when they when they're not eating. Yeah. Stuff like that. And they they're probably cruising around like the if you find a good rock bank a, a point point off that rock bank or something like that is the perfect spot you might be going up there and having a feed or something like that but yeah definitely in summer the steeper banks yeah. um, steeper banks with trees on it they you're laughing you know guaranteed a fish uh, it's not it's not odd to see probably five meter plus fish sitting on one tree what so it's yeah it's crazy they they're they're not as um, What's the word? Territorial. Territorial is what everyone goes to say. Like you, if you find a bank, like there's going to be a lot of fish on that bank, sort of thing. If you if you catch one, so yeah, yeah, we've we've seen we've seen five, six meter plus fish sitting on one tree, and like if you go to the next tree, there's probably another two or three, sort of thing. So yeah, there's they're in big numbers. And, and people, uh, do they sit on standing trees more than people think? Because a lot of the time people think standing trees are just for goldens, but uh, are you, were you first initially surprised at how many fish and size of fish you actually saw sitting on a standing tree rather than like a fallen lay down? Yeah, yeah, 100%. We, we've actually, oh, this year, yeah, at Wyangla, there's been two like metre plus fish on a tree that's loaded with yellows and they're just sitting underneath them. Not, yeah. not a care in the world, not eating yeah. them, not doing nothing, just sitting there and the yellows are not worried at all either. So. Wow. So yeah, it's like a switch and something just stirs them up and then they'll come into feed mode and then that's when the yellows get a bit worried. And we've seen them on the screen come up and like and eat, yellow eat, eat yellows or no, carp or whatever. That's insane. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. It must be such – I've seen some of the video clips you've done. Tell me about that one. That one, the most recent one, I think it was, where you're recording the screen and that fish followed you out from that tree and you just kept, I don't know, I don't think it was one of you boys who caught the fish um, and you just kept whining uh, and whining took, and whining. Yeah, we took, we took our mate Steve, we were actually, we were swapping him a deer hunt for a, a cod fish, so um, we took him up to the dam and he hadn't caught a meter cod before and he was pretty keen to come and... Well, we we didn't expect much of the morning. We were, like the pressure was low as was in the nine hundreds, and I don't know. We just got up, got up there, and then the first I think it was the first fish we saw. We we caught it was a ninety something, and we ended up catching three over a meter that day, three in the nineties, and a couple in the seventies. So we got eight fish for the day. But yeah, that one particular fish, we um, I think yeah, you know, one of I think it was. Me, I might have just pulled a 90 in the boat and I just sat down to let Steve have a cast. And um, the next fish we saw, Steve cast at it and I just turned my phone on and pointed it at the screen. I didn't really think nothing of it, but it was just a red-hot morning and um, he just cast. The cast was perfect. Just ran, We saw the little go past, probably about five minutes past the tree, which is what you really want. You want you don't want to drop your line straight on top of them. Yeah. And he just uh, dropped it down perfect and brought it straight down past the tree and you just see the cord just 
unfold out of the tree. And it just, yeah, followed it and followed it straight to the boat. And we're just like, keep winding, keep winding, keep winding, and then bang. You see the whole carpet. That's so good. That's so good. Could you even see that tree above the water? Or no, it was fully submerged? Nah. Yeah, no, it was fully submerged. That's crazy, yeah. eh? Like these these things under the water that you will just have no idea. And what was he sitting in? Was he what was the depth of the water? And then what depth was the fish sitting at? Do you remember? Uh, I don't really remember. I think I think the tr- the fish might have been sitting about six meters. Is that standard? And average? Yeah, yeah. This summer we've sort of found them around that six six meters to eight to ten meters sort of thing in summer. Yeah, they've sort of been sitting, but um. Now, this t- time of year, like just before, well, we weren't allowed to stop going fishing. Yeah. We see that they've, they've started to rise. So we, we started finding them. They're only about four metres down lately. So right. I think that's just an incoming change of the seasons coming into winter. Yeah. And then does the depth of the water matter on those standing trees or it's totally irrelevant? Like it'll just be in any depth. It and doesn't we'll... matter. Yeah. Can be in any depth, but the fish will still sit in the same depth of water. So if it's a twenty meter tree, they'll still probably sit in that six meters yeah. of water. So yeah, and it can then, be any depth. And well, then on those rocky banks, when you're finding them, when you're scanning them, are they sitting away out from the bank and just swimming around? Like they're not the ones you're catching aren't like tuck, tucked right up in against the rocks, are they? They're out looking around, aren't they? Yeah, no. There's some of them we you you yeah we. We're pulling up and it looks like we're fishing a rock bank that half the time we're casting the opposite way yeah. out to the centre of the dam sort of thing. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you just, whatever you, whenever you can see a big fish, you just chuck it at it and yeah, land it back cruise. past it. I don't think they're scared of anything. They just cruise around wherever they want. When, yeah. Yeah, when they're hungry, they'll just go looking. So we've, we've caught fish in the middle of the dam, just following fish. Wow. Yeah. So more often than not, will you find them more than, say, two metres or three metres away from the bank or would you say most of them are there or for, just so people can, even if people never end up using something like this, it's just it's just handy to know, do they have to, if you were to fish blind again, would you make sure your lures always come in contact with the bottom like two or three times in a retrieve if you've got a lure that gets down or would you confidently fish, say, a swim bait through a mid-water column on, say, a rocky bank? Oh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, you'd sort of, you see them everywhere. I, I'd definitely be, when the sun's up, fish definitely, up. definitely fishing structure, stand up trees, lay down trees, rock points, yep. rock banks, something like that, along rock banks, like sort of get down to that water depth that Nath was talking about and then just try and keep it in that sort of thing. Right. Swim baits are a lot harder to try, try and keep in that depth. That, like in summer, like that's six to ten metres. Yep. Yeah. So you obviously need a de- decent sized chin weight, but once you're down there and you're doing it, obviously big soft plastics. Yeah, that's all that sort of thing. What's, a great job as well. what's your go-to, like, so say summer, um, you're finding these fish on the sound that you have to try and cast to them relatively quickly, I guess, because you've spotted them, especially if they're moving. What's your go-to lure in the summertime? And then when they move shallower, what's your go-to in the wintertime? Oh, it's not very often that we don't have a jackal gigantrel on our line, so it's it's that where we just we adjust with the heavier chin weights. So in summer we're using ounce chin weights just to get down to them quick. But we've sort of been using the Zeric live um, swim baits at the minute too because they sink a lot quicker. So yeah. when we're finding those fish that are moving, we're 
throw on them at them because they sink a lot quicker and you can just get get a lot more cast on. And even if you're off with a bit of a cast, you can just get it back in quicker and go yeah. again sort of thing. So, yeah, it's all, it's definitely the gigantic of all those, Eric. Do you find that the lure itself really matters or do you find that the, the key thing with what you're doing is that you've got a lure that gets to the fish quickly like you were saying or do you think that some lures they actually reject over others um it's a bit of a tough one we sort of don't take their lures off but we've, we've tried spinnerbaits and all that sort of thing in front of them and we do get fish doing it but i'd yeah it's whatever you're confident with I, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I that's a tough question. <laughs> I don't think there's a right, right or wrong answer. Yeah. I remember that time when Dad come fishing with us and he didn't have any gigantrels and he was just using a gantrel. He was like, oh, these will do, these will do. And um, me and Mitch were using the gigantrels and we both cleaned up a couple of fish that day and Dad, he didn't get nothing. Like they, they were sort of the size of the lures. The, the big fish like the um, bigger lures and... And that, that day, it sort of changed our opinion on um, using the gantrels, yeah. like towards the gigantrels, just because the size, the size difference, the, the bigger cod just love them. So yeah. you'd say for chasing big fish, definitely use a, a, a bigger yeah. lure. bigger lure, 100%. Yeah, all year round. I know elephants eat peanuts and that, but I don't know how much they do. So the bigger lure you got, the more chance you got catching a big fish, and that's all we throw. We just throw big, big lures. Yeah. You've got to have the right kit to throw them, obviously, but, uh, yeah, we, we don't take gigantrals and the Xerxon baits off our rods. That's just all we use. Yeah, yeah. No, so what about um, summer versus winter? Um, because winter recently seems to be the go-to time to catch fish, right? Everyone's like, we go in winter and summer's tough. Yeah. And, and you were telling me about that day that the pressure was low and you guys got eight or so fish. Um, are you so one or two? Are you, are you, do you prefer a season? And then separate to that, do you do you fish all day, or are you just fishing sort of till ten o'clock in the morning in that prime period? Or yeah, what's the go there? Yeah, well, I sort of this summer's really changed the way I sort of think about fishing, like for cod, and I love some fish because it's it's, it's not cold, <laughs> and <laughs> you can still catch fish. And uh, but it's you just fish it. You fish to the two seasons completely different. Like the fish are down deep in summer, so you got to and from swim baits which we do, you got to risk losing it. Like yeah. being so deep, so we always fish with the um, the Wilson the big lure poles. Yeah. So if you get a snag, you can sort of six meters. I think they go down to. So you're pretty safe for getting them back down six meters, which was pretty good. But um, in winter. The fish are sort of up on the flats a bit more, and they're up, they're higher in the water column. So, I think I think that's why people catch a lot more fish in winter because the swim baits they're, they're not a deep diving um, lure, so they'll, they'll be up in, higher in the water column, and that's where the fish are at that time of year. Yeah, and I so, guess you got less water. Like if you're fishing three meters, you've got the bottom and then the top yeah. here, whereas yeah. you're fishing yeah. deep but blind. Yep. You could be rolling at the wrong depth. So obviously, there's a reason yeah. we get more in the winter for that that purpose. But with once yeah. you use the technology you guys are using, do you find that you get just as many in both seasons if you fish correctly? Yeah, yeah I, I reckon we've caught more this summer than we have any winter. So and bigger fish too. I Mitch's got two two one twenties this summer already. So they're both really good fish at a wine and with yeah, it's. Some, some is not big, I reckon. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's just crazy. I just can't get over how much that technology helps with fishing. And and like you said, you just you, you couldn't go back to doing it blind, hey, if, especially in the summertime like you were saying. Like you guys would just feel like you're wasting time, wouldn't you, if you didn't have it in the boat? Oh, yeah, it's de- definitely hard to get motivated not having a, a big fish or a, a fish to throw at sort of thing. Like you always got a target when you, you're throwing it. Yeah. Throwing it, swim boat are, you, or something like that. are you – sorry, mate, I didn't mean to – jump in but are yeah. you having fishless are you having any fishless trips now like when the conditions are just no good and then when you do have fishless trips is it because the fish are just shut down and you're still finding them or do you just not find them at all and they're totally not where you're fishing um we definitely yeah oh fishless trips or there's just a, a small one or something like that it's definitely there's a fish behavior there I, I don't know what it is like you'll get them on the chew or they're not sort of thing we we don't know how to pick it yet. We thought we did have a pattern, but now we're just in the mentality of just going out and hoping yeah. every day is a good day, yeah. not even watching the you pressure. You've got to be confident, yeah. So we just, we just always go out thinking we're going to catch a fish. Yep. And I think that's a big part big part of it because I think, like, I, I just think fish can feel it through your line. Like, if you're not confident you're not going to catch a fish, I don't think you're going to catch a fish. So yeah. if, you, if you're confident in what you're doing, you, yeah, it's... it's it works out heaps better for you in the long run, I think, and that's comp fishing and just social fishing. So. And then, yeah. So, do you always see one though? Like, do you always find them on, or is yeah. there days where there's we, you just we, don't we, see, we see, see fish? fish. No, nah, we always see fish. Like, we'll we'll just keep driving around. We we fish banks pretty quick, so we will probably cover, I don't know, five or ten k's of bank like some mornings until we find fish, and so we'll always find them. But um, yeah, just some mornings you just can't turn them or you can't get them to bite it's just yeah i don't know what it is but sometimes they're just not hungry it's just how it goes and yeah yeah we, we've had we have donut trips all the time so well yeah. not all the time but we, we have a fair share of them so yeah yeah and then i don't know if i don't know if i asked this earlier but that do you spend more time fishing you keep talking about morning do you usually just head out for the morning and fish till a certain time do you fish at all much in the dark now now with this technology because a lot of people just spend their whole time in the dark because daylight is so difficult are you getting a lot of your fish in the daylight and then when you do fish do you just fish all day or is it still those key bite periods uh, most of our trips we've been doing of late has been just um, oh, day trips sort of things so we we probably it's a nearly a two-hour drive. Yeah, two-hour drive from us to Wangla. Yeah. So we we we're packing up, got the boat hooked on by midnight or something like that, and then we we hit the dam. We're there by two two thirty, yeah. and then yeah, we're out on the water till then till nine o'clock. Sort of nine o'clock's probably the latest, and then the boat's on the trailer and we're heading home. Right. So you 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 fish till nine in the morning, or all yeah. day. Yeah, just nine in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't yeah. you don't bother with the middle of the day stuff. You just they feed so much better in the low light. Yeah, we we've just sort of found that they just sun up. It's it's always good to sun up. And then just every minute after that, it's sort of you got to yeah decrease chance of catching a fish. Yeah. So yeah, we we have fish in the afternoons and that too. And we find that the fish they they'll just start coming on as the sun goes down. So it's just like the turn of the light. Yeah. They're, they're sort of the, the peak the peak times to catch them. So, and when it gets to about I don't know it was about nine or ten o'clock at night, we sort of we sort of go to oh, pull up pull up fishing by then, and um, yeah, we sort of just get them around that change of light times really, and both morning s- and night. 
And do you reckon they're still sitting like in the same depths? So once they're not feeding, you know, like you're saying, it turns out to be the not prime time. Are they still in the same spots and still swimming around and doing the same things and they're just less likely to feed? Or do you find they actually go deeper and move out of the way? And what's their behavior like once it is sun up? Yeah, I reckon they'll, when they're not feeding, they'll probably drop down a little bit, maybe a metre or two, and just hold hold on their structure sort of thing like that. But it, I, th- I think it's got a lot to do with wherever they're comfortable with, with the water temperature. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So you're so still... The relation so, to, sorry, so you still see them swimming around though? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're probably more stationary sort of thing, yeah. but hold on their structure during the day. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Right. they cruise around as the, that goes on or... Yeah, early morning. Early mornings and change a the light. They're sort of moving around a little bit. Right, and that's what, and that's that whole behaviour that you've figured out that that's what they're doing, feeding. They're moving around to look for food. Yeah, yeah. and I think we we fish the trees because we know the fish are going to come back to it, and maybe that's something to do with the change of light. Like the fish might know that oh, it's getting a bit later in the day. They'll move back to structure, so we'll fish that time. And we'll, we're fishing structure as they're coming back to the timber. So um, we get them as sort of a, like a, a, like their last bite, like last feed sort of thing. Yeah. And you reckon they come back to the structure because they've gone out to feed and then they're heading back? Or do you reckon they come under timber to feed? Sure. <laughs> so, no, no. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Ah, so they've definitely been out feeding all yeah. night or whatever and just yeah. Yeah, coming back to the tree to park up for the day I reckon. Right, okay. It's just, it's just like um, it, it just the tree will get fish in one area so they're just easier to find if they're sitting on something like you, you'll know that they're coming back to a tree so that's why we look look for trees because we know fish are going to come yeah. back to it and be there. Yeah, cool. And then let's talk about some of the waters you fish. You've talked about Wyangler a bit um, and where you're based and then at the start you mentioned Burundong. Um, and then a little bit yeah. of Burrenjuk, but Wyangler and Burrendong being the two keys, do you find, are you chasing cod in both lakes or is Burrendong predominantly just chasing yellows? Um, we sort of, yeah, last year was probably change of that. We, um, yeah, it was always it's a great yellow belly dam. You get some really nice fish up to 600 and bigger. But, um, yeah, we sort of gave it a crack there last winter. I think the first run I did with my wife and, um, I got a 124 the first run I went up there, and then, um, yeah, then me and Nath were back there next week, and yeah. That was the best trip of that, wasn't it? That next trip? Yeah. It was sort of, I think we got three over a metre and a 97, I think it was, just for a morning session. Wow. And we nearly had a metre plus, yeah, we nearly had a metre plus boat jump into the boat like Jason Mitch's gigantral out of the water. It, it nearly landed in the skeeter. It was pretty cool to watch. That's it, crazy. It, uh, and that and was, Mitch got a one. Go again. Yeah, Mitch got a one, Mitch got a one sixteen. It was the first fish that we caught of the morning, and we saw it come out of the tray, and it it was pretty clear water up there at the time. And Mitch was like, "Oh, it's following me! It's following me! It's following me!" And he was watching the sounder, and I was sitting at the back, of, I was standing at the back of the boat. I was like, "Have a look in the water!" And, it's right there. <laughs> and you just see this big lump of a head, and it just sat there, and it just went pop, and it just gulped in on this. On the gigantic one, yeah, it was crazy to see that. It was all just visual, and 
That's... Just knowing that the fish was there and then actually it coming out of the water. Like, coming That's into the, crazy. Into the yeah, it was crazy. How funny is that? You're like, yeah, it's following me, but you're not looking. You're looking at the screen and then you're like, hey, dude, have a look at the water. It's, it's Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's crazy. Yeah. And that was... That was Barrandong. Yeah, and, yeah. And that would have been when it was like near near empty because it's been like that for a while, yeah. Was it quite low when you were fishing it? Um, yeah, I think it was about three or four percent. It was, yeah. yeah, there wasn't much water into it. We, we actually done, that was mainly our winner last year. Yeah, was Burrandong. because there was a lot of big fish we were finding there. And yeah, we had really a couple of good days yeah. up there. And yeah. Do you reckon that was, they're, they're more concentrated because of less water, obviously? Yeah, absolutely. And we, we found them they were pretty easy to trick too. Like you, we didn't have a fish turn off a lure, I don't reckon. No. Like, I, I don't think they're being no, fished before in the winter. Burrandong was much wasn't known much as a cod dam, I don't think. And yeah, it was just that every time you found one, they ate, which was good. There's there's not there's not as many cod in Burrandong as what there is in Wyangla. Yeah. But the ones there seem to be the ones like we're chasing. There, I think the smallest fish we've caught out of there is eighty seven. Yeah. And yeah, and every and I don't think we've caught many in the nineties. That every fish we've caught out there's been meter plus fish, really, but yeah. probably five. Yeah, right. So they're good quality. They're good quality fish. Yeah, um, yeah. And there'd be a lot of yellows in there that they're feeding on, surely. Um. Yeah, that and the carp, in, carp in that dam is unbelievable. Yeah. So if you yeah. were scanning yeah. it at that height. Yeah, would you have picked up that many carp and yellows like it was ridiculous? Yeah, so basically when we're, we're skiing in front of us, what what tricks us a lot of time is like if the carp are piggybacking each other, if it, there's one carp sitting on another and... Yeah, it looks like it's a big fish. Yeah, it looks like it's like a metre plus fish, so we were all throwing our swim baits at it. But then once we run our swim bait past, it'll, you'll just see carp separate and then you're like, oh, no, no it's not two one. carp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, it sort of tricks us on yeah. yeah, I bet it would. And then when you use the pan optics... I just want to touch on yellows for a second, um, the live scope, and I'll come back to some of the yep. dams. When you, when you fish for the yellows, obviously, do you just use it for, for the trees? Is that mainly all you use it for? And I imagine you'd just go up to the tree, scan the tree. You'd be like, nah, it's empty. Next tree, yeah, it's got some big ones on it. Let's fish that. Is that how it works? Yeah. Oh, basically, mate, yeah, we just we sort of – you find fish in the area with your side scan or something like that, and then you can just go through and do a detailed run through and get right on top of the fish and just – yeah, it's tap, tap them out, out and tap them out with plastics, and yeah. you're good. That's that's dead easy. And you can see them. Can you see them following plastic? Your plastic? Is your plastic too small for the for the live scope to pick up? No, nah, no, nah, you can see plastic. Oh yeah, reasonably, reasonably pretty easy. You can um, yeah, you just see a yellow belly there, and you can drop your plastic right there in front of it, give it a shake in front of it, and then. If he's hungry, he'll eat. And, yeah. That's yeah. cool. So you're almost not even rolling the whole tree. It's like drop it, drop no, it, drop no, it. Yep, no. there, shake it. He's we, smacked it. Yeah. We wouldn't, yeah, we don't roll plastics anymore. You just no, get it in front of it and shake it in front of it. Yeah. If they eat, they eat. If not, you just go to the next one. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is so cool. Do you hit many on the head? Yeah, they eat. Yeah, <laughs> you can just see them and they just flick. Like flick, you can see them just shake and they yell as they, they just normally turn around and they'll just come back and have a look at it. So... If they do that, you you know you pretty much got them. They'll come back and just eat straight away. Yeah, that's so yeah. cool. It's like it's like as close as you can get to an underwater camera, and I bet yeah. it's made you guys think about fish insanely different since you got it. Yeah, hundred percent. It's just yeah, it's crazy. Like we just think 
half things we're doing back in the day. Like, what were we even doing that? Sitting, <laughs> sitting on a sitting on a tree, just grubbing it for hours and on end. Yeah. When you you can just yeah, you just we just follow fish now. We don't we don't wait for fish to come to the tree or nothing. If if fish leaves the tree, we'll just follow the fish. And just go to wherever it goes. It'll go to another to another yellow belly or something, and it'll it might be sitting on a tree, and there'll probably be three of its mates there, so we'll catch them as well. So, <laughs> so it's sort of yeah, you just you got to use it to your advantage. So fish leaves, you just follow them, yeah, and you just see what. So they'll like there's underwater trees and that. That's just how we fish anyway. We never really fish. We never stay still when we fish. But we'll fish a tree for five ten minutes probably, and then. Like we might move far, we might only just move five metres to the next tree, but we'll just keep following the fish. Wherever they go, we'll just follow them. Yeah, and you're looking for fish. You're always looking for fish, yeah. Yeah, always for fish, yeah. That's crazy. And then so for someone who wants to get the setup, what's it set you back? What's the whole cost of setting it up? Because by the sounds of it, it's well and truly worth it. But for people who are keen, um, I know Jacko sort of touched on it in the podcast I did with him, but what's your setup worth? Um, I've, I've just got the 10 inch screen. It's the high definition one with the um, live scope itself. I think it was about five and a half grand. All together. All together. And then obviously you've got to get a pole and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. But yeah, you can get that put up the front of your boat for about five and a half grand. Yeah, right. So the live scope transducer itself, do you know what that's worth on its own? That, that'd be about $1,800, $1,900. And then. And then the yeah, you can get yeah. cheaper screens for like twelve, thirteen hundred dollars. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But and you still got to run that um, little live scope transducer through them though. But they, and they don't pick up as good of quality as the high definition screens, obviously. But so if like anyone was looking at getting one, I'd recommend go the high quality, like that high definition screens. They show up, yeah, the eighty four tens or the. 8412s or whatever they are and yeah they're just heaps better definition and you can just see so much more with them yeah we're catching fish out to 25 meters in front of us and there might be 10 meters down and you can see your lure land on the head yeah right and you can tell it's a big fish but if you get the the screen that's not high definition that trying to determine a carp from a cod could like it can be a bit hard yeah 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 one of our mates mickey had he had the um the not as good quality one and he changed over pretty quick after coming fishing with us a few times. Yeah. He just found it a lot easier with a better definition and yeah. everything like that. Yeah, yeah, cool. Guys, guys, this has been an insane episode. It's just crazy. I'd... Um, yeah, anyone listening to this uh, who can afford, obviously the, the difference is people who can't afford it. Like if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. But if you can, it's almost like it's kind of like the way it's changed the way you guys fish, it's almost worth getting it. Um, well, almost well and truly it's worth getting it. Um, I'm super keen to get out there and try. I've never seen it for myself. I've just seen the clips you guys have put up and it obviously works really well. Um, but oh, yeah, I really appreciate you guys going in depth on that stuff. But just one other quick thing, just back on the lakes, um, Wyangle is one place you fish. You, you get quite a good, few good fish out of that. Burundong, same. Um, and there's a few other lakes you fish. Do you find the fish in each lake have their own behavior or do you think being a cod, they all act fairly similar. Uh, there's, there's still all the same type of fish. I think they're all very similar. They're, we didn't do much fishing down at um, Burrenjuk this year, and the first time we went there, we just put the same stuff together that we do at Wyangler, and we found fish pretty easy doing the same thing. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're just the same type of fish, though. So. 
they'll fish, they'll fish the same the same different dams. Yeah. And you guys mentioned, I think you guys mentioned you fished blaring before. Have you fished blaring with the live scope? Yeah, that was um, one of our donut runs this year. We've we done a, <laughs> yeah, we done a oh, no, Friday afternoon, left work, 5 o'clock. Um, on yeah, the water by 9 o'clock. Yeah, on, on the water by 9. And well, up there, I think we fished till 3 o'clock in the morning. And um, had a couple of good follows, dropped one fish. Big uh, fish up there. There's, there's big fish there. There's definitely not the numbers of a Burringer or a Y angler, but yeah, yeah we've definitely seen there, some they're huge. good yeah. quality fish. But yeah, we we couldn't turn them. Don't know pressure, whatever. But yeah, yeah, right. So so how did you go about it there though? So what what because there's no trees like you know, oh, there's a couple but not many. How did yeah. you? What was your approach when you fished it? Did you just pick a bank well, and look- cruise? Oh, uh, we fished where the trees were. <laughs> uh, where the trees were, we, we found the fish, and the fish went far away. And um, we got we we did a run along the wall there, and yep. we had a follow a huge one there, and it all but ate. I was I was it was actually my lure, and I was oh, that nervous. It was probably would have been the biggest fish I've ever caught, I reckon. And yeah, it came right to the boat and just turned away. The last thing. Oh, are you kidding? Yeah, God, that would hurt. Yeah, then I'd hurt all right. It was, it was easy to beat a twenty anyway, from what we've seen. So yeah, but um, and then where was the, what was that other bank where we, you know, where that's called? No. I don't really know the names of, of all the spots that blaring, but it was on the opposite side to the, um, the pines. The there. pines. Yep. There was a lot of fish over there just cruising around on in carp. Yeah, in the, on a carp school. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what they do. That's, so, that's, where, that's where, yeah. That's how that's we, we find them. Yeah, yeah, same deal. Just ch- chase, chase around them carpet and all yeah. that. And they'll, they'll, they'll give them a pizzling too. Yeah. We thought we'll, we thought we'll um, yeah, in with a good shot. And we, yeah, we dropped one. Oh, yeah, mate, Nick did drop one probably halfway to the bone. Yeah, fish too, but yeah. Yeah, and then so when. It's the, the toughest fish. Yeah, when they were chasing the carp, were they were they sitting up high in the water column? Were they shallow? What what were they doing? Did they round the carp up into the bank? Yeah, they were sort of like there was a lot of carp in the area, and then yeah, we will sort of just we we we'll find a big cod just on the outside of them. Like I don't know if they were just driving in and just smashing the carp whenever they felt like it, or they'll just round them up or something like that. But yeah, we we sort of saw three or four big big fish yeah. just hanging around this just all bank that had carp on it. Yeah. yeah. And you just you just you would have just cruised banks because there's only a couple of spots that have trees in the lake. So obviously, once you run out of those trees, you just you just so say for example the wall, you just drive your way along yeah. the wall until you see a fish sitting out yeah. off the wall. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, we'll just oh, like we do. We just cover our area. We probably didn't do a great deal of casting unless we seen a fish, sort of thing. And it's the the actual sound would work better because the really clear water blaring. Yeah. But yeah, we'll just just. Cruising through the electric was oh, uh, probably yeah. trolling speed, I'd, I'd say. Yeah. And then, yeah, we're just cruising across with the livescope at the front, just having a chat. And once we see one, we just give it a pizzling. Yeah, right. And then do you do you just keep it at one angle? Are you sort of one of you is driving like left and right with the with the pole to sort of scan the area? And then the other question I got, yeah. it shoots twenty five meters forward. How far down does it shoot? Yeah, we sort of we we use it like just like if you're spotlighting. Out of night, it's just it's honestly that's the best way of explaining it. Yeah. So we just we just always just cover ground. We always move it. We never leave it in the one spot. If there's no fish in the screen, we don't leave it there. We always move it. Yep. We move it till we find fish. So, and yeah, we just cover heaps of ground. And yeah, it'll 
we'll see. We've got ours set at about 25 metres forward, and it'll see fish all the way to the bottom. So for like 20 metres, we've, we've seen fish like 20 metres out. Yeah. If there's 20 metres deep, you, you will pick them up and you will see them. Right. Not that there is. Yeah. Not that there is at 20 metres deep, but like if, if you were to drop your lure down, you'd, you'd see your lure. If, so you'd have cool. to have the beam face like yep. rolled in right in on the lure. Yeah, so, that's crazy. Yeah. So that so tell me about this fish that you saw on the wall. Did you spot it sitting off the wall, and then you just tell me how that yeah, all was, unfolded? Yeah. We were cruising along, oh, we were cruising probably twenty meters off the wall. Yep. And it was we were actually we just scanned around to to looking up the dam, and he was out there. He was just in the middle of nowhere. Out, yeah, out. So if you were you were twenty meters off the wall, so you would have been in like yeah. fourteen meters, fifteen meters of water because yeah, it's deep. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah, scanned him up. Further, yeah, probably another 20 metres out past that. You're kidding. No, and he's just, oh, he was probably up about six metres or something, I'd say. What, down? Just cruising. Yeah, six metres down, so yeah. And he's just cruising. Wow. So then, wait, so then you get him in your beam, and then what? So, what's the process? Do you work out where he's going and how quick, and then you yeah, like sort of. That's sort of how we, how we do that. Like, we sort of find which way they're going, so we'd like fish swimming directly away from us. Yeah. So once we get in line with them swimming directly away from us, then we'll cast out past them and just hope our lure gets down deep enough and we'll let it sink until it's in the right depth of water and then we'll wind it so the lure comes straight past his nose. Oh, right. So you want them swimming away yeah. from you so that... Yeah, that's how, that's how we fish them, yeah. So that Make way... It, it makes it... Easier. It just makes it just makes it easier when you when your lure's sinking. Like if if the fish is going at a forty five degree angle to, um, away from you, and you cast, and you so it's sort of harder to judge where your lure's gonna go yeah. down and speak right in front of him. So if you're in a direct line and you can get him to um, swim directly away from you, your cast is gonna sink directly where you want it to, like down past his nose. Yeah, so there's basically no way of screwing it up, whereas the other way nah. you kind of got to get everything spot on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, right. So you just got to... got to take time. Yeah, you got to make sure your line doesn't touch them though, so do you just cast like a metre off yeah. either side? Yeah, you got to you cast past them. So you cast. You want to cast at least five metres past the fish. Yeah. Because we've had, we've had plenty of fish where we cast on top of it and we let it sink down and as soon as it comes down, it doesn't look natural. They just boom, they they bolt. Yeah. So if your lure just comes past swim swimming, yeah, they just they turn. And if you get one to turn, that's yeah, that's when it's on. They sort of turn and just grab it straight. Then or they'll follow it right to the boat and hit it about a, a meter or two off the boat tip, off the rod tip. Sorry. That's crazy. So this fish you saw it blaring, you did this cast, you wound it past it, and it turned around and followed. Yeah, it followed. It was, it was a long cast too. It was probably 15, 15 16 meter cast. So and it followed. From that distance, so wow. and come right to the top of the boat. It's probably, oh, it was night time, so it probably comes probably three meters from the boat. And wow. I, I honestly thought it was, wow. it's, nose, it's nose would have been touching the back of the lure. I reckon it was that close to it. Mate, you guys would have yeah. that many heart in throat moments without even getting a hit. Like, it would be so much fun. Yeah, I, was, I wish we'd had a GoPro or something on even a quarter of the stuff we've seen. We've seen some pretty cool stuff. Wow. And so, so I just can't imagine. So this fish, right, they follow and then did they usually just bolt away really quick or you can see them cruise back to where they've come from? Yeah. They sort of just cruise back to where they come from or if, if you scare them. Like if, if we found if you put like a twitch or something in your line or, or a pause even, 
sometimes it just sometimes it'll get them to bite with a with a pause. But if you do a twitch or something, they just bolt. Wow, and, really? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. We're sort of we're always just slow wind. We do nothing else but slow wind. Really? The boat, yeah. That's Don't funny, even, eh? See, we get a lot of our fish on the pause. I would say 90% of the fish I've caught out of blaring are on a pause. As soon as you pause it, it gets jammed. So Yeah, well, that one, this one was different. I'll pause it. Yeah, pause it and he turned, he bowled it. So yeah, he wanted wow. to be one of the different ones. Yeah, that's crazy. And yeah. and I will back that. I reckon, I reckon you would have seen some crackers in that lake because there are some very, very big fish, especially on that DM wall. There is some monster fish in blaring. Um, so yeah, yeah there's ease. There's, I reckon if you scanned for two or three nights, you'd see them over 130 for sure. Like there's some, oh yeah, this, uh, this, this one would have been, he, I didn't want to say 130, but I reckon he would have been around that mark. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. There's a lot of fish. I've caught more fish in the 120s than I have between a meter and a meter 20, put it that way. Yeah, so, yeah, that's, I can, yeah. I can yeah, understand that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. It's a good spot for big fish. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it was interesting that you didn't see many, um, which is surprising to hear. Um, yeah, we, we probably did half the dam. We ran the electric motor out of the battery. So we did like the lower half of the dam, yep. just a lap around that. And, the, yeah, we didn't get much of a chance to fish in the morning. We've done the – oh, and, yeah, we've done laps sort of in Yellowwind's Bay there at the top. But Yeah. Yeah, yeah they do move around quite a lot. Um in blaring too so that's another thing but yeah that's interesting it's so cool and before we finish up because I've, I've had you for a while and I'm sure you want to go have a feed but is there one experience in particular that you can share because what I do like to ask everyone on the podcast is what's your, your favorite catch or your, or your biggest fish and, and seeing as there's two of you guys is there a, and you guys fish together is there one fish in particular that you guys could come back to and both go yeah that was an incredible experience um, it was probably our first trip to, I, I wouldn't say one fish, it'd be our trip to yeah, Burundi, our, our first trip to Burundi last year in the winter where we, yeah, we got the three meteries. We sort of, yeah, we had a metacod come up the side of the boat yeah, and yeah, come, come, boat. come out of the water and just follow me um, swim bait and then, yeah, okay. we had another oh, a 98 centimetre. I was just waving me lure in front of the boat and, um, yeah, got a 98 centimetre while Nathan's lure was up the tree. <laughs> wow. And you saw yeah. him? Like you knew he was coming? Yeah, yeah. So I was sort of just sitting there. Nathan was getting his lure out of the tree. Above the tree, saying, above the water or below the water? Yeah, it was above. Had to call that out. Uh, Sorry, mate. Yeah, yeah no. Nah. Um, and, um, yeah, I was just making sure my lure swim to the side of the boat. And I was like, oh, Nathan, big cod just followed that um, lure out. Yeah, the and Nathan was like, oh, no, you didn't. And I was just, yeah, the spool was running free and I just clicked it into gear and then, yeah, 98 centimetre, a couple of lines and I had 98 centimetre cotton yeah. in the boat. So. That's so cool. The amount of fish you guys have caught because of it would just be insane. Yeah, yeah, no, it's unreal. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, definitely game changer. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, I really appreciate the, uh, sitting down and having a chat with me tonight. Um, that's that's insane. I'm so excited. I can't believe we're in lockdown. I just want to go out there now up to... <laughs> go fishing even if, yeah so fingers crossed we can all get out soon um be real handy but um if we do get out good luck with the winner ahead um i appreciate you guys both sitting down that was that was unreal it's a massive eye-opener to how incredible that technology is and um yeah thanks for opening up and sharing and um 
yeah, I'll, I'll see you on the water one day, but good luck with the rest of the fishing and, yeah, go get some more once it all opens up again. All right, thank you. Thanks, Frank. No, you're welcome. Thanks, guys. Wow. Guys, just wow. Didn't I say that that was going to be a very special episode? Very different to anything we've covered before and it was incredible. By the end of the episode, I was buzzing. I could not believe what I just listened to and heard and it just makes you want to get out in the water. Now, at the end of that episode, we were obviously recording it during COVID, so both of us were that like itching to get out there and fish and now it's been a couple of weeks since we've been allowed to fish and I've managed to get onto a couple of really nice fish recently. So of those boys, they're using that technology up at Burundong now and getting some cracking fish they're having a ball out there so it's good to see that we're all back out on the water doing some fishing but wow like i said if you think if you didn't think that episode was great i want to hear from you because i want to be creating content that helps you guys out there but i'm sure you gained something from that and i know a lot of people will be listening to this episode so guys i really hope you enjoyed it and once again i want to thank Nathan and Mitch for taking the time over an hour of their time to sit down and have a chat with me to help you guys out there. All of this stuff is all about helping you guys, giving you guys a bit of entertainment, something to listen to during a work day or on the road, but also to help you when you get out in the water and catch fish. I've had so many great messages come through of people going, I got this awesome fish. Guys, thanks so much for the tips in the podcast. And I want to just share this knowledge to everyone who has has sat down for an interview with me, all the experts out there. Thank you guys. You guys are the ones that are sharing your knowledge. I'm sharing a little bit of stuff, but it's also the people that sit down and agree to doing these interviews. So I want to thank everyone out there who's been a guest interview uh, on this podcast. I really appreciate it. And for everyone who's out there getting success, catching fish from these tips, Guys, that is just awesome to hear. And if you have caught fish or if this podcast does help you, please send through a message. Send it through on Instagram, our email address, or on Facebook. We really want to hear from you. And to support us, keep downloading this podcast, keep listening to it, and keep talking about it. Tell your mates, tell your friends, post it on your social media walls and let them know. And if you want to go one step further and help support what we do, jump on and check out the Social Fishing Membership become a member and you get a whole heap more content inside that membership but that's just another way you can really support what we do anyway guys that was one of the best episodes there's a lot of great ones out there but it is up there at the very top and if you are in the market for some of this technology that would have really helped probably push you into buying it so it's not going to help your bank account but it may help your fishing quite a lot and then again there's probably 95% of you out there listening to this who won't buy this stuff that won't buy the technology I'm a self don't have it but you will have still learned so much valuable information from this episode if you don't take something away from this in terms of how the fish behave then you already know everything because I learned so much in this and I really appreciated the boys opening up and sharing especially when I was really getting in detail and asking the questions of how the fish behave and really detailed questions that are going to help you guys, especially the ones out there who don't use this technology, but it might help you pick certain banks, fish a lure a certain way and do some things differently that you didn't do before. Anyway, guys, thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. We're going to have more coming up soon in the following weeks. We have some more awesome guest interviews and also we'll have more regular episodes with myself, 
Talis and Chris. Uh, one other thing, guys, also, if you are a member, we have our live Q&As once a month. So, we have a live Q&A coming up later this month and I have a special guest uh, joining me for that live Q&A, another member of the Social Fishing team and we're going to cover some really cool stuff. So, if you're a member, check that out or if you want to join into these live Q&As, it's easy. Just jump on and become a Social Fishing member. Anyway, guys, I will be talking to you in another future episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. Thank you very much for tuning in. Get out there and catch some fish. <laughs>